Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Every month, we just deposit $1,000 from our account. And ETF, it's basically like a basket of different shares in one investment. It always is a good idea to have some cash saved. So you don't have to be, you know, selling your shares to like pay for coffee or something like that, you know? So the question, Kuni, is that everyone is wondering which one should we buy? <laughs> it is 2024. And if one of your goals this year is to get started investing, then we have an episode for you. In this episode, we're going to go through the basics of investing all the way up from what to do before you start investing all the way through until what to do after you've purchased your first investment and how to actually track them for tax purposes and to also see how your portfolio is doing. Hey friends, this is Queenie and Pablo and welcome back to another episode. Pablo, what is your money win? Well, the other day I went to buy some Lululemon pants, actually a couple of months ago. But you know at Lululemon, you can get them hemmed for free and they stopped it for a couple of months. But now I just went back and they reopened it and got them hemmed for free. How are they feeling? They're feeling great, you know. I'm really happy, like the right fit. These pants are really cool because we were in Canada and one of our friends were telling us about the Lululemon pants. And he was just like raving about them because like, I wish you could see Pablo now, like they look really nice and like kind of don't look like comfortable pants, you know, like they look like work pants, but they're really, really comfortable. So yeah, definitely a really good buy. They make them, you know, in all different colors and styles. So yeah. What do you think of them, Pablo? Yeah, I really like them. You know, it's comfortable, but so like you can go out and look professional. And these are like, so I have the ABC pants and the joggers. Which one do you prefer? Depends on the occasion. The joggers, I think are good to travel. If you're on the plane, you know, you want to stretch your legs and stuff. It's really nice. And the other one is more like if you want to go out at night or just walk. Nice. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Yeah. What is your money win, Quinny? My money win is that our investment portfolio has been doing really, really well these days, which is really nice. I feel like we're at the start of another bull run for um, stocks because, yeah, as you know, the stock market, it goes through highs and lows. It's been looking really good lately. So is our crypto portfolio. So I'm always really happy about that because we track our net worth monthly. So it's always really nice to see how, you know, like all of these little investments and like compound interest, it really does pay off. You know, it's, it's yeah, really nice to see. Yeah, for sure. Side notes, like on the crypto side, let us know if you'd like to see an episode about like the best crypto uh, exchanges. We've been like, we could review them. We've reviewed them on YouTube, but we could also do that as a podcast. And we've added a form in the show notes so you can give us any feedback or ideas about podcasts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Crypto is an interesting one. We actually did a little experiment on which was the cheapest crypto exchange. So yeah, let us know if you would like to see that. Just remember that anything that we talk about in this podcast is general in nature and doesn't constitute personal financial advice. You can read our full financial services guide in my description. We would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of our land and we extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. 
So before you even make an investment, there are some things that you need to get checked off. And one thing is an emergency fund. So an emergency fund is three to six months of living expenses saved in cash in a bank account so it's easy to access. And I know three to six months of living expenses, it's a lot of money to save up. But the reason why it's recommended to have an emergency fund before you start investing is just in case any emergencies pop up in your life, like let's say you lose your job, let's say your car breaks down, let's say, for example, you need to book a last minute trip somewhere to see a family member, you have a bit of a buffer and you have a bit of money to rely on. So you don't have to dip into your investments at a bad time in the market. Because as we spoke about earlier, investments, they can go up and down and you really only get the benefits of investing when you are invested for the long term of seven years or more. So if you pull out your money and let's say it's like a year where it's, you know, maybe not so great, you could potentially lose quite a bit of money. So that's the reason why it's recommended to have an emergency fund. What do you think about that, Pablo? Yeah, I think an emergency fund is really important. You know, actually, when we started investing, I don't think we had that much of a buffer. We started maybe with like a thousand dollar buffer. I guess at the time our expenses were pretty low. Back then the cost of living was also lower. So a thousand dollar could get you further, but we just slowly built our emergency fund every, you know, month of pay. We will add some money extra into our emergency fund and that helped, you know, over like six months, one year to build it to three months, then six months. And then based on everyone's lifestyle, everyone is different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You could always start with the starter emergency fund, as Pablo said, with $1,000. But yeah, it always is a good idea to have some cash saved. So you don't have to be, you know, selling your shares to like pay for coffee or something like that, you know? I think if you have to sell your shares to buy that's a bad sign yeah exactly well you don't want to be doing that you know because like obviously there are brokerage fees and things like that so it's like you know what we like to do is once we've invested our money it just stays there you know like we don't really want to be moving our money around that much so yeah something to keep in mind it reminds me of like the this documentary we're watching about crypto and those guys, like it was, it's called Bitcoin on Netflix. And those guys, they created this, or said they created this like credit card that you can use to tap your Bitcoin, to use your Bitcoin investment to pay for things. And it was just a scam because they were like tapping the card, but it was a fake debit card. And then they were withdrawing the crypto at the same time to make it look like it worked. Yeah. Oh my God. Crazy. Just crazy to buy story. A it's also a good idea to have a look into a high interest savings account as well to store your emergency fund because, you know, there are some banks that are offering 5% interest rates at the moment. I know we get 5.1% interest on our savings, which is really, really good. So yeah, definitely have a look out there. The, the one we personally use is Ubank. We have a referral code, Queenie30, where you can get $30. But there are also other really great options out there like ING. I think they have like 5.5, but there are a few extra like bonus criteria requirements to get that interest rate. And uh, Macquarie as well has a really good interest rate as well. So definitely some ones to check out. Yeah, especially that nowadays the interest rates are quite high. You know, back in the days, maybe it was like 2%. So it's like a big difference. But now 5 plus percent is like really good. So it's 
worth looking into it. And so, like you said, looking into the criteria to get those percentage, because sometimes you think you're going to get 6% or 5.5%. And you're like, actually, I haven't gotten those percent because there's all these conditions. So it's important to look at, at it and see if it's going to be easy to get there or if it's going to be a struggle and then maybe worth looking at slightly lower interest rate, but that's easier to achieve every single month. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is the reason why we used to be with ING, but we weren't really meeting all of the bonus interest requirements. So that's the reason why we swapped to Ubank because the only requirement was to deposit $200. But obviously, if you can meet all of ING's requirements, it's a better interest rate. So yeah, it all depends on the person, you know. Yeah, I think it's all about calculation and what's right for for you, you know. So the next step is to pick an investing app or a brokerage account. And this is one of the steps that I feel like a lot of people get stuck on. And I remember when we first started investing, we also got stuck on this because there are so many options out there. Which one do you choose? It's It can be really difficult to figure out which one is right for you. But I think that it's kind of what we've learned is that even if you sign up to one, it's free to open an account. You don't have to stay with them forever. Like, you know, I think it might even be worth like signing up to a few different investing apps or investing platforms, see which one you like and which one has features and, you know, a good user experience that you like. And then once you found one that you really like, just continue with that. And if you pick one and you made a mistake and you don't like it, it's okay because you can always change later on. I think the most important thing is to just, you know, get started, open, open up one maybe even to see see what it's like to use. And um, yeah, what do you think, Pablo? Yeah, exactly. Like you said, you know, you don't want to get stuck at this stage just because you're thinking too much. And I guess the best way to, to learn is to action. Obviously, you don't want to rush into it, but the best way to, to find out if this is the right platform is to try it. And it's free to sign up to those accounts. So why not try a few, like you said, and then just see, oh, I prefer this one or that one. Yeah, exactly. And there's this analogy that I really, really like. And it's like, basically, if you go to the supermarket, you know, like, let's say you go to supermarket A and, you know, you really like the the fresh produce that they have and they have a really great, I don't know, cheese section, you know, it just because you shopped there once doesn't mean you have to shop there forever. You know, you can always try the other fruit and veg store just down the road and like shop there sometimes, you know, and and it's the same thing with like buying shares or ETFs. Essentially, they have the same kind of products available on their platforms. It's just kind of like picking a different store to shop from, you know, just because you shop at one doesn't mean you can't shop at the others. We also have a free investing cheat sheet, which you can check out where we've listed around nine different investing apps and investing brokers. We've listed the fees, um, whether or not they're chess sponsored, basically chess sponsored. It basically means Let's say you buy a share or an ETF. There are some exchanges which are chess sponsored, which means that when you purchase this share or ETF, you will be holding your investments in your own name and it will be registered with the ASX in your name. So in case you wanted to change your investing app or change your investing broker, it's pretty easy to transfer your shares because it's already registered with the ASX in your name. But there are some other investing apps which aren't chess sponsored, which basically means that they 
have a custodial account and so they're holding your shares for you, they may have like a separate account for you so it's not mixed with other investors, but it may be a little bit more tricky if you were to say like try to claim ownership of your shares, maybe move to a different broker to get access to your shares with the custodial model. So those are the two different models. Um, I guess we prefer the chess sponsorship model because we like to hold them in our own name. But yeah, something to be mindful of. So we do have that free investing cheat sheet that you can check out below. Yeah, and something to note is that this is only in Australia, this chess sponsor. I think in New Zealand and in the US, this doesn't apply, right? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't apply. So if you were to buy like, say, Tesla stock or something on the New York Stock Exchange or the NASDAQ, They don't have this chess sponsorship model, so all of your US shares will be not chess sponsored, if that makes sense, if you buy it from an external exchange. But yeah, the one that we personally like using is Perla, but we also have tried quite a lot of different apps and we do have like different investing accounts with different platforms and I think that they're all really good and they offer similar features. So yeah, it's definitely worth having a look at a few to see which one works for you. What is the next point? Now you have your emergency fund, you have picked your investing app, what do you do next, Quinny? So the next step is to actually start looking into some different investments that you can buy. So there are two main investments that you can make. There's one that's called defensive investments. And these are investments that are, I guess, like you could call them more safe investments. And these include things like cash and bonds. They may not give you crazy, crazy returns, but you're also not going to lose that much money in the short term as well. And then you also have growth investments on the other hand, and these are things like ETFs and shares and property. And these are investments that are suitable for more long-term investors with an investing timeframe of seven years or more. And they are higher risk, but also higher return. There may be ups and downs in the short term, but long-term they have performed quite well over the past, you know, seven plus years or more. So the question, Kuni, is that everyone is wondering which one <laughs> well, I guess it all depends on, you know, what your strategy is. So what we personally like doing is we invest most of our money into ETFs and we only have two ETFs in our portfolio that we invest in regularly. We invest $1,000 into two different ETFs every month. And if we have any leftover money, we might invest in, say, like a stock that we really like or even a bit of crypto But most of our money, like I'm talking like 90 to 95% of our portfolio is just buying two different ETFs. Yeah. And the reason why is because we like to not stress about it. You know, we want to be able to sleep at night. Everyone is different, but that's what we value. And I think there was this study from like uh, Fidelity, which is in the US, like a US broker. And they found out like who had the better and best returns on their account was people either they lost their password or people that. I died. Rest in peace. Aww. <laughs> but yeah, basically, like it's like the less you touch it, the more chance you have, you know, to make better returns. And I guess that's what we try to value is not look at it and not think about it too much. 
focus more our time into reinvesting our time into our business, like creating more content is more valuable for us, but also putting our money aside that will grow over time in the really long term. I completely agree. So in the past, our investing strategy has changed a bit over the past couple of years. There was a time when we were trying to, I guess, like do a lot more research into different stocks to buy and, you know, try to buy at the right price and do all this research. But something that we found is it's just very time consuming and the returns While they may be good, our time was better spent on other things like trying to grow our business, trying to earn more money. Yeah, now we just keep it very simple, just investing in two different ETFs. There are quite a few different ones out there. We've actually made a video. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Breaking down around nine popular ETFs. So we've gone all the way from diversified ETFs, which is an ETF that essentially has a few different ETFs inside that ETF. It's a bit like an inception here, but those are really good ones if you do want something very diversified. There are also global ETFs that we've gone through, Australian ETFs and yeah, different market sectors. So if you would like to check out that YouTube video, I do have a link below in the show notes. Highly recommend having a look at that. And um, maybe I could also just list a couple of popular ones and while I have you. those who don't know, like what is an ETF, Kuni? Oh, yes. An ETF, it's basically like a basket of different shares in one investment. So let's say, for example, you go to the supermarket and you want to buy... The supermarket is really popular. (laughs) It is a very popular analogy. Let's say you want to go to the supermarket and you would like some chocolate to bring to a party. So you're in the aisle and there are all these different chocolates available. You're like, oh, I don't know. What, What does the host like? Does she like this chocolate or this chocolate or this chocolate. I don't know, you know, it's it's difficult. But then they have this kind of like party mix assortment of different chocolates and you're like, okay, that's the one because I know she's going to like something in there, you know, like there might be a few she doesn't like, but I know there, there'll probably be a few that she actually does like. So, you know, the party mix is usually the go-to option when you, when you don't quite know exactly what chocolate or lollies people like. And it's kind of the same thing with an ETF. Sometimes it can be really difficult to know like what's going to be the hot stock of the next century. You know, it, it's really difficult to know because there are some companies that they may seem like they're going really, really well, but then one day something happens and then poof, you know, they're bankrupt like we work, you know. So buying into an ETF, it kind of ensures that, you know, even if you do have some stocks that that don't perform that well, maybe they have a bit of like, you know, some of those strange flavors that not everybody likes, you know that there are going to be some like in that bag that you buy, there are going to be some ones that perform really, really well that, that your host really likes. So yeah, that's essentially what an ETF is. Great analogy, Queenie. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so here are the options that we go through in the video. So there's VDHG, which is a diversified ETF, DZZF, which is also a diversified ETF, 
the DZZF option is more of like the ethical focus. There's VAS on the Australian side. That's the top 300 companies in Australia. Then there's also VETH, which is more of like a ethical focus. And there is A200, which is just the top 200 companies in Australia. So it excludes some of the really small cap companies. FAIR, which is an ethical focus on the Australian stock market. So there are less companies, but they have more of an ethical focus. There's IOO, ETHI, VGS and VESG, which are all global ETFs. There's VTS, IVV and NDQ, which are US-based ETFs. Quite a few different options in there. Check out the video if you would like more information about each of these different ETFs. And also, similar to a broker, even if you pick one ETF, it doesn't mean that you have to pick that one for life. You know, like you could always invest in one ETF, see how you feel about it, you know, and then later on, if you want to pick a different ETF, you can always do that, you know, just because you bought something from the supermarket one time, like doesn't mean that you have to keep on rebuying it, you know. And I'd like to touch on before we move on to the next point, Kuni, you mentioned ethical ETF. How does this work? Ethical ETFs are a really good one because they have this screening criteria. So let's say, for example, there's an index that looks at the top 100 companies globally. There are some ETFs that might just invest in those top 100 companies. And then you can also get some ETFs that kind of screen out some of the companies that may not suit everybody's values. So for example, if there are some companies that are involved in fossil fuels or gambling or tobacco and alcohol, some of these ETFs might screen out some of those companies. So it only invests in the ones that I guess suit people's values. So they're a really good one if there are some companies that you just don't really want to invest in and you don't want as part of your portfolio. Yeah, it's really good to look at. Yeah, it's very interesting because nowadays you have more option to invest ethically. And I guess every ETF provider like BetaShare, Vanguard and all of those, they have like screening based on criteria that they've made themselves. It's a good point, Pablo. Yeah, so now you have your account, obviously, you've picked the strategy, offensive, defensive, you've decided what you're going to invest in. What's next? So the next point is to subscribe to this podcast and make sure you give us a five-star rating if you are enjoying it so far. We love that. (laughs) And once you've done that... That's a great investment. (laughs) And once you've done that, the next step is to deposit some money into your account and make an investment. I know investing sounds really complicated, but I promise you there are so many amazing apps these days that make it so easy to invest. If you have the skills to purchase something online, then you literally have the skills to make an investment these days. That's how easy it is. It's just as simple as linking your bank account to your investing account, depositing some money into your account, either by bank transfer or pay ID. There are so many different options. And then to make an investment, Literally, you can do it in a couple of clicks. It's so easy these days. And some platforms also allow you, you know, you don't have to have like $10,000 to start investing. Some platforms allow you to invest with like, I think a dollar or a few cents even. Yeah, yeah, you can. So you can always use those options just to dip your toes in the water. There are micro investing apps. We also go through this in the investing cheat sheet, like the minimum amounts that you can invest. And that's a great way to get, like you just said, your feet into it, you know, because you don't want a person, I think, you know, investing when you have like a million dollars, then it's much more scary to invest a million dollars. But if doing it step by step is much more 
easy, I'd say. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I wish we did start with smaller amounts because I remember the first time it was like $1,000. And at that time, we did not have that much money. And so $1,000 was so scary for us. We were like, oh my God, $1,000. What if I lose $1,000? You know, like how will I ever make this money back? Back then also, there wasn't that many options to invest with less than, I think the minimum was $500. Yeah, the minimum was $500. So yeah, it was really stressful. But these days now you can invest with, yeah, as little as a few cents literally. So I would have preferred to invest $5, see how it goes. And then once I'm more comfortable with it, investing a little bit more. Dip your toes in. Exactly. And so something that we really, really love doing now, which has been a game changer for us, is setting up auto investments because now we literally don't have to think about our investments anymore. So we have this automated portfolio that we set up with Perla and every month we just deposit $1,000 from our account. All of these bank transfers and like automations are all set up for us. So $1,000 comes out of our bank account and then it automatically gets invested in one of two different ETFs that we have set up in our portfolio. And we literally don't even have to think about it. You know, it's, it's actually amazing. And something that we have learned when it comes to investing is I know it's, it's kind of like very counterintuitive, if that makes sense. The psychology of investing can be really, really tough for a lot of people. So the more that you can set up systems to automate the process, the better, because there have been a lot of studies on human psychology when it comes to investing. And something that they found is that when people are manually kind of like tracking their portfolio and manually making investments, they actually make more bad decisions because essentially like we are so risk averse. We don't like seeing our portfolios drop. And if we do see our portfolios drop, we might be, wait, let me, how, how do I describe this? Well, I think so when you go to the casino, you also feel like more you're lost than you feel you're winning. Let's say you put a hundred dollar at Blackjack and you lose it and you double it. You're happy. But if you lose your $100, then you feel really, really bad. Mm, yeah. And I guess it's the same thing with investment. And you're going to see a loss bigger than you'd see a win. Yeah, exactly. Like there are so many psychological fallacies that come into investing. So the more that you can take yourself out of the picture and just automate it, the better. Because I think as humans, we are emotional beings we don't like it when we lose money. We might get super greedy when we're making a lot of money. And sometimes our mind really is our worst enemy when it comes to investing. So that's the reason why Pablo and I like to set up automations, you know, so we don't have to think about it. We don't have to check our portfolio that much. And it works a lot better for us in the long term. Yeah. And that's why I guess people, you know, I don't know, maybe like really rich people, they have someone to manage their money because then they can put themselves detached from the picture. And sometimes it's easier to give someone advice. You know, I can easily say, oh, you should do this, Kuni. But actually doing it yourself, it's harder to put this, but it's the same thing with money. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And this is obviously optional. You know, we took a couple of years before we started making automating investment. And that's a good step if you want to remove yourself from the picture, but you don't even have to. Yeah, exactly. If you if you do prefer to, I guess, have more of a hands-on approach with your portfolio, that's totally fine too. The, the next step would be to start tracking your investments because as we know, 
investments can be a little bit complicated and especially when it comes to tax time, there are a few things that we need to keep in mind when we have made our investments. When you sell a share for a profit, you do need to pay tax on the capital gains. So let's say you buy a share for $50, then it goes up to $100 and you sell at $100. That $50 is taxable and will be added into your tax return as income. And then you'll be taxed at your marginal tax rate. That's the $50 that you made, not yes. the initial $50. Not the initial $50, so $50 that you made. And something else that you do get taxed on is something called dividends, which are essentially the profits that companies or ETFs decide to distribute to their shareholders. So let's say, for example, Apple has a really phenomenal year with profits and they decide to distribute some of those profits to their shareholders. You might get a dividend for, say, like $50. And you also do need to add this dividend into your tax return as income. This would be really, really complicated complicated if you had to, you know, remember to check all of your statements and do it all yourself. But thankfully, there are actually platforms available which allow you to do it within the platform. And the one that we really like using is called ShareSite. So basically, it kind of links with your brokers and it gives ShareSite read-only access to your accounts so it can see which investments that you own, which dividends that you receive. And it actually creates these really nice reports and graphs. So not only can you see how your investments are doing every year, especially if you have investments in different accounts, but it also makes it much easier when it comes to tax time because you don't have to keep track of, you know, how many dividends did I receive from this ETF or this company? And you can also just send these tax reports to your accountant. You know exactly how much you made. And uh, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, it's really good to be able to track all in one place you know depending on like some broker will allow you to get this tax report automatically easily but if you use multiple brokers or you know if you have like lots of different investment everywhere it might be good like you said to have share side to have all into one place and then that way for your accountant it's much easier exactly yeah so share side is free for up to 10 holdings and after that they do have a subscription model But I personally do think it's worth it because it does save us a lot of time. And I think it might also be tax deductible as well. So double check with your accountant if you could get that subscription um, tax deductible. And I think we have a link in the description. Yeah, we do. So you can get an extra month for free of the pro plan if you decide to check it out. But yeah, it saved us a lot of time. And I honestly love logging into our share site every now and again just to see how our portfolio is doing. And as you know, we also track our net worth every month. It just makes it so much easier when we're seeing what our portfolio is worth because we've got a few different investing apps and a few different investments in a few different places. It's um yeah, really cool to see. It is really cool to see. And before we wrapped up, I think one important thing uh, related to dividends that you mentioned, Kuni, is that you have the option to either receive this dividend as money, but also reinvest these dividends, right? Yeah, yeah, you do. So you can set up a dividend reinvestment plan. So this basically means that your dividends will be reinvested back into the stock that you receive the dividends from. So let's say, for example, there's an ETF that provides you with a dividend. You have two options. The first one is to have that dividend paid out to you in a bank account. And the second option is to have that dividend reinvested back into that ETF. 
So we usually have our dividends reinvested back into the shares and the ETFs that we've bought. However, there's also that option to get it paid out to you in a bank account. In both instances, whichever one you pick, you may need to pay tax on it. So even though Pablo and I have set up a dividend reinvestment plan, we still do need to pay tax on the dividends that we receive. But we do prefer to have it more or less automated. But I know some other people that prefer to get the dividends paid out to them in a bank account. So then they can choose what they would like to invest their dividends into. Exactly. It's a choice. And for us, we value not having to spend too much time on those things and making sure it's reinvested easily. But up to you at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed it and found it useful. Don't forget to give us a follow and rate us five stars and we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.